You are listening to Episode 2 of Ravenwood, a Tanith Fairport adventure written and read by Nathan Lowell. Chapter 3. A Temporary Delay Small movements in the bed beside her woke Tanith. Watery pre-dawn light gave her enough of a clue as to the hour to get her up and moving. She rose, stretching out sore muscles in neck and back with rolling motions. Sadie had thrown back the heavy blankets, leaving her shoulders and one arm exposed to the moist night air trapped in the hut. Tanith pressed the back of her hand against the exposed skin of the young woman's arm and considered. Still fevered, but it was reduced. She sighed quietly and crossed to the hearth. She rummaged in the coals, adding some small sticks from the wood box and fanning the flame to get a cheery fire going. Amber and Rebecca joined her. You didn't wake us. Amber seemed at once contrite and distressed. Tanith smiled at the earnest face peering up at her from under night-tossed hair. Sleep will help keep you from picking up her flocks, and there was nothing you could do but wait. She shrugged. I had a pleasant nap right here by myself, so no harm done, my dear. Rebecca glanced at Sadie. How is she doing this morning? Tanith followed the glance with one of her own and added another half-shrug. Seems like the fever is down a bit this morning, but unless I miss my guess, she's got another day before it burns through. Amber nodded. Thank you for coming back, Mom. Her voice was low, and Rebecca nodded her wide-eyed confirmation. I'm glad they found me. Tanith looked back and forth between the two faces peering at her through the dim light. But I don't understand something. The two glanced at each other before looking back at Tanith. What's that, Mom? Rebecca asked. How could you not know this was the flux? And why didn't you just give her the willow bark? Amber sighed. Rebecca looked a bit guilty. Tanith waited them out, poking the coals and pressing the pot of willow bark tea closer to the fire. Finally, Amber spoke. I suspected it was the flux, but after Mother Alterton passed in the winter, we were scared that Sadie would follow her path. We knew you couldn't have gone that far, so when she started throwing up, William and Thomas volunteered to go after you. Amber looked stricken. Thank you for coming back. But don't you know Willowbark Tea? Amber looked almost in tears, so Tanith softened the query with a gentle smile. Surely you've seen the flux and used the tea before. Amber started to say something, but stopped. Finally, she managed to find the words. We were afraid it wasn't the flux. Mother Alderton was our healer, and she always took care of us. None of us had time to learn before the All-Mother called her home. A chilly finger scraped down Tanis' spine, and she noted the watery color of pre-dawn was being replaced by a sharper light, and she heard doors opening and closing in the huts of the village over a rising tide of birdsong. She sighed again. Well, my dears, we've got morning upon us, and I suspect hungry and scared people. We should get things moving, and then we can talk. Amber and Rebecca nodded and shot smiles of thanks in her direction as they scampered out the door. Tanith heard their voices reassuring their neighbors and directing the morning's activities. Sick or no, the men needed to get on with gathering clay, the goats needed milking, and the children needed to be fed and held. Tanith knew there was some chance that the sickness would spread, but rested healthy bodies had the best chance of fighting off the poison. She set about filling a large pot with water and warming it in the glowing fire. She opened the back door to let out the stale night air and was just beginning to think about breakfast for herself when Sadie spoke to her. Thank you, Mum, for coming back to save me. Tanith crossed to the cot and looked down at her charge. I hardly saved you, child. You weren't in any danger as near as I can tell. She smiled sympathetically. You might have felt like you were passing over, but most people don't die from a simple case of the flux. Sadie looked drawn and pinched about the eyes, very different from the smiling face she'd shown just the previous morning. 
Mother Alderton did. Tanith gave her a little side-to-side shake of her head. Maybe she did, maybe she didn't. Might have been something that looked like flux but wasn't. Too hard to tell now. She focused on Sadie and gave her a little pat on the forearm where it rested on the covers. But you are not Mother Alderton, and you're not going to die. Sadie smiled weakly at the reassurance. So, how do you feel this morning? You need the pan? Sadie shook her head. I feel empty just now, but my head hurts. I'm so weak. I'm warming the willow bark again. You'll need another cup or two before the day's out, I'm thinking. But you'll be back on your feet tomorrow, I bet. Sadie made a grimace. God, that's horrible tasting stuff. She smiled. But it does help. Thank you for making it. Well, I'm glad I had some left. It wouldn't have been very much fun rummaging around in the dark looking for willow trees. She said it with a grin. But it does taste pretty bad. A dollop of honey and a few mint leaves help a lot, but we were in a hurry last night. Sadie smiled. Well, don't tell the kids, but there's a bit of honeycomb in that jar up there. If they knew it was there, they'd be after it in a minute. Tanith looked surprised and reached for the jar. Inside she found a honeycomb that had leaked several ounces of the golden sweetener into the bottom of the container. She retrieved Sadie's mug, tossed the dregs from the previous night's concoction into the side of the fire, and poured a careful measure of honey into the bottom of the cup before adding a generous amount of the willowbark tea. She stirred it gently to dissolve the honey in the warmed liquid and could smell the rich aroma of summer flowers wafting up in the moist cloud above the cup. She handed it to Sadie, who took a tentative sip, grimaced, and then did her best to drink the cup down without stopping. God, that's still horrible. She handed the cup back to Tanith. But thank you. It does help. She settled back onto the bed and pulled the covers up around her shoulders with a small shiver. She mumbled something else that Tanith couldn't hear and passed the boundary between waking and sleeping without another ripple. Tanith rolled up her bedroll and retied it to the bottom of her pack. The smell of the honey had stirred the need for her own breakfast, and she pulled the bread and cheese from the side pocket of her pack. It was only slightly misshapen from having been confined in the small space overnight. She quickly toasted the bread over the coals, melting a bit of the cheese into it and saving the warmly mingled flavors of toast and cheese. By the time she'd finished her meager meal, one of the other women was at the door. Tanith recognized the face, but couldn't remember the name that went with it. The young woman must have seen her trying to recall and smiled prettily. I'm Megan, Mum. Amber sent me to relieve you. She has tea ready in her cottage if you'd like to join her. Tanith smiled warmly. A cup of tea would go nicely right now. She picked up her wide hat and started for the door. Megan stopped her with a quiet, What do I do? Tanith looked at her. She seemed distressed. Do? Megan nodded. Yes, what do I do for Sadie? Tanith shook her head. Nothing, my dear. Just sit with her and keep her company. She's had some bark tea and should sleep for a couple of hours if left undisturbed. Make herself comfy and see if she needs anything when she wakes. If anything else happens, just call me. Tanith left the young woman standing in the middle of the hut and marveled again how women with children could seem so helpless in the face of common adversity. She found Amber sitting outside in a sunny nook behind her cottage with a charming little teapot, a collection of delicate china cups, and the bulky form of her woodcutter husband looking vaguely uncomfortable with a delicate china clasped in his hand. He wore a sleeveless leather vest which left his arms free and showed his shoulders to good advantage as well. Amber smiled a greeting and extended a hand to indicate the open stool beside their small table. How's she doing? Amber didn't really appear worried about Sadie, but offered the query as a conversational starter while she poured one of the blue-flowered cups with a lovely tea of pale green. The scent of mint wafted moistly from the cup. Good morning, Mum, William offered with a grave smile of his own. She suddenly decided she liked William, 
not because of the shape of his shoulders or the attractive curl of his hair, but simply because of the warm smile in his eyes. She had to admit to herself that the rest didn't hurt. She smiled at him. Good morning, William. Not out cutting today. He shifted uneasily and looked into his cup. Oh, I reckon I'll be going out as soon as I've finished my tea. Tanith turned to Amber. She's better. I had some more tea, and she's resting more or less comfortably at the moment. She took the offered seat and sipped the tea. The cutting board with cheese, bread, and fruit was in the center of the table, and Amber pushed it just a bit toward the older woman, as if in offering. In a tree on the far side of the clearing, a squirrel chattered a few times at some transgressor unseen from the sunny breakfast table, and the morning breeze felt soft against Tanis' cheek. She turned her face up to the sun, closed her eyes, and accepted the gift of warmth while she waited for the conversation to really begin. By her reckoning, the harvest moon would begin in another week or so, and the weather would start changing. So you're probably wondering. Amber began, but her voice petered out. Yes, Tanith replied without opening her eyes or turning back to look at them. Mother Alterton was our healer. Amber began tentatively, but picked up steam as she went along. The All-Mother called her home late last winter, and we've been muddling along ever since. We're all pretty rugged, the outdoor work and all, I guess. Tanith turned to look at the younger woman and noticed that William stared into his cup of tea without really drinking it. In the light of morning, he looked very young for all of his broad shoulders and muscled arms. She looked carefully at Amber. You never made willow bark tea? Amber looked startled. Well, not from bits of bark. She looked embarrassed by her outburst. At home, we'd pop around to the apothecary and pick up some willow bark tea whenever we needed it. She shrugged. Mother Alderton made it for us here when we needed it, and none of us had had the time, what with the kids and the houses and all. Her voice petered out under the older woman's scrutiny. At home. What do you mean, at home? Where are you from? Tanis' voice was soft but insistent. William spoke. Overton, Mum. We came out here as a group from Overton. There was something over two dozen of us to begin with. Some left. Some are still here. His face turned to look at what must be the graveyard. Tanith made out some whitewashed stones set in the ground. Mother Alderton said she came to keep an eye on us. Tanith's eyes swept back and forth between the two of them and then around the yards and tidy huts. The odd chickens scratched here and there, and a pair of goats grazed on the weedy side hill. The garden plots seemed too small to support two dozen adults. Why did she think you needed keeping an eye on, then? She thought we were too soft and citified to make it out here on our own. His voice was low, and he didn't look up from his teacup. Amber wouldn't meet her gaze, either. Were you? He gave a half-shrug. Some were. Mostly those left. A few were called home, like Mother Alderton. We're down to eighteen adults now, and the kids. He blew out a long breath. Honestly, Mum, I thought we'd have more of a going concern by now. Amber added a morose. We haven't even named the place yet. We can't seem to agree. So why do you stay at it? That's only a few days into Overton, isn't it? Ten days on foot, Mum. Two weeks by wagon. William sounded very dejected. It takes you two weeks to get a wagon load of clay into town. How many times a year can you do that? He gave another half-shrug. Only have the one wagon and team that can make the trip. Old Bester in the cart is good for the woodcutting and all, but Frank Crane takes the cargo rig into Overton and back six times a year. We got one more load for this season. It was due back on Sickle Moon or thereabouts. Amber added, the new moon was just the other night, so he's not too late. He'll be back. William didn't look convinced at Tanith, but she held her tongue. 
She slipped her cooling tea and thought about what they'd said. You all came from town. None of you are farm folk? Nobody used to living on the land? William nodded. Mother Alderton called us her poor little rich kids. My father owns a shipping line, but there's no room for me in it. His voice dripped bitterly onto the table. Amber grimaced. Daughters of goldsmiths don't get to play with gold. They're supposed to be pretty and snare good husbands. So all of you are what, runaways? William made a small shake of his head. Not runaways exactly, just misfits, I guess you'd say. Most of us have families that we could go back to. Thomas doesn't. The knowing grins would be difficult to deal with, but it could be done. Your father would never accept me as his daughter will. Amber said this quietly without looking at him. Probably fair, because yours wouldn't accept me as a son either. He gave her a grin that carried real humor and warmth. He turned back to Tanith. Neither of our families thinks our choice of partner is suitable. She smiled back. I gathered. She looked back and forth between them. So you all packed out and came out here to quarry clay? William snickered. What well, we thought of it as setting out to make our fortunes. He gave a sideways shrug. It might work yet if we don't all die or get disgusted and pack it in. Amber sat up straighter on her stool. Well, those that have packed it in are the singles and the impatient for the most part. I know you and I aren't ready to give up yet, and neither Sadie and Thomas, nor Megan and David. Clay's hard work and shipping it so far as raw material is harder still, I wager. Tanith offered the suggestion quietly. Well, we got a factor in Overton who buys it. We give it to him wholesale, and he brokers it out to those who need it for brickworks and whatnot. William shrugged. We didn't run away, you see. We still have connections there. Just scratching in the dirt like this is disheartening for some. It was Tanis' turn for a half-shrug. Anything worth having is worth working for. She paused. Where's Mother Alderton's hut? Maybe there's stuff there I can show you how to use before I get on the road again. Amber sighed into her teacup. Well, we were hoping you'd be able to spend a bit of time with us. You'd be able to help us a lot, Mom, if you could see your way to spend even a few days. We'd be able to send you on in the clay wagon when Frank takes it to Overton again. He'll be going back out again almost as soon as he gets here. A couple days rest for the horses, and we'll load the barrels of clay for the ride into town. I'll save you the walking. Walking's no mind to me, William, and I'd be a day closer by now if I hadn't come back. She felt a little mean to be reminding them. I need to be in Lammas Wood before the axe moon. William's eyes widened. That's a long way to go. How are you planning to get there by then? Passage from Overton to Northport on a ship. Should only take a couple of weeks by sea, but I need to get there before the days get too short. Tanith could see William running the numbers in his head. Yes, but that's still not going to make it. It'll take longer than that to make it to Overton, Mum. Well, not if I walk today, lad. It's just gone to the harvest moon, and I can be in Overton in ten days. I'll be a few days late by taking ship, assuming I can get passage. But the weather shouldn't be too bad, and I'll be in Northport before the season gets too far advanced. He nodded his agreement. I can see that, Mom, and every day you stay here is a day later. Amber and William glanced at each other, and Amber sighed. Well, let me show you Mother Alderton's cottage, Tanith. Anything you can do to help would be appreciated. They all drained their cups and stood. William gave his wife a hug and nodded politely to Tanith. I gotta get Bester moving or he'll think we're going soft. He smiled charmingly and headed off to find his ox and cart. Amber bustled about putting the cups and pot on a tray. Tanith helped her take the precious china indoors. It's a lovely service, Amber. Was it a gift? Amber smiled. From William when we moved out here. He said I should have something to remind me of the finer things. How thoughtful. 
How pessimistic, but how right he was. There are days when the crud and the mud and the bugs and all just begin to make me a little crazy. Tanith grinned sympathetically. I understand completely. Twenty winters I've been on the road. Some days it's glorious. Others, it's something considerably less. Amber stashed the tea server solidly on the hearth and led Tanith out the front door and around the edge of the hamlet to a small hut, no different from any of the others. Tanith noted that with some minor variations, they might all have been stamped from the same mold. Simple post and beam construction with a rather pronounced peak to the roof. The roof was planked like the side of a boat, and the walls were chinked logs, probably cleared from this very lot to make room for the hamlet. Like all the others, this one had a low door with steps down to a tidy room. A very businesslike hearth held pride of place in the east end, and a matching door led out the far side of the hut, giving access on both sides of the building. Even though there were no windows, the doors on both sides gave daylight during summer, and the low buildings looked protected from winter's cold by the earthwork. As the two women entered the hut, a flock of children pelted by outside. Tanith watched them run past the open door. One of those yours, she asked. The ringleader. Riley, was it? Amber smiled proudly. Yes, Riley and his sister Jillian. This'll be their ninth winter. Jillian's seventh. You had them before you came out here? Amber nodded. We're crazy, but we're not that crazy, she smiled cheerfully. William and I eloped almost ten winters ago. We tried to make it on our own in town. She shook her head and shrugged. It was impossible. Everybody knew our families and that they didn't approve of us. The children came, and we needed more for them than we could do for them in town. How did you happen on this place? It's a trifle out of the way. Amber laughed. That's a bit of an understatement, Mum. It was a place that William knew from hunting out here as a boy. About six winters ago, he came out and found it again. Then we set about recruiting our friends and fellow cast-offs to move out here to start a new town. It took a couple of winters, but we finally managed it. Here we are. While Amber talked, Tanith took in the hut and its contents. She stood near the foot of the steps, and Amber crossed to open the far door to let out the chilly, stale air. A thin patina of dust coated the table, and there was a pair of chairs alongside, with what looked like an oil lamp complete with glass chimney and reflector. Along one wall, a neat collection of shelves held bundles and bags, boxes and crocks. Tanith turned her gaze upward and realized that bundles of dried flowers and grasses hung in long hanks from the rafters. Amber followed her gaze upward and gasped. My goodness, what are all those? Well, it looks like a particularly well-stocked supply of herbs and medicinal plants that's overstayed its welcome. Tanith grimaced. What a lot of work to go to waste. How do you know it's gone to waste, Mum? Well, there may be a few things we can salvage, but most things lose their strength if left too long. She waved a hand at the hanging materials. This stuff all looks like it's been here since last winter or longer. There's probably little that can be saved. The dust, if nothing else. She shrugged helplessly. If there'd been anything that wasn't too far gone, we probably would have smelled it when we walked in. We didn't, so... Her voice trailed off. These all must be things that Mother Alderton gathered in the summer and fall of last year and never got to use. Amber looked somberly at all the dried goods hanging from the rafters. She died shortly after the ice moon. We just kept the cabin closed after that. There was no need to come in here. Tanith looked at Amber and then back at the rafters. Pity. You might have gotten some use from this if you'd known what you were doing with it. She said it wistfully and crossed to look at the containers along the wall. Each was labeled in a spidery handwriting of uncertain provenance, but showed the contents and a date. Tanith realized that Mother Alderton must have been very busy right up to her death. You say the flux took her? Tanith turned to look at Amber when she asked. 
Amber shrugged helplessly. We think it was the flux, but when your healer gets sick, how can you be sure? A cot stood in the corner and a porcelain lady's chamber pot was visible under it. The cot's rope bracing was exposed by a complete lack of mattress and it looked somehow indecent exposing the china resting underneath. Tanith crossed back to the hearth and noted that it had been cleaned and swept some time ago. A fine layer of dust had built up on the fire-scorched stones. The andirons and pot hanger were clean and free of rust. Small rodents had wandered through the dust at one point, leaving small turdlets on the trail. She ducked her head and looked up the chimney to see a well-crafted fire shelf and throat, beyond which was just black. The chimney's blocked. She straightened and dusted her hands against her pants, looking to Amber for the answer. William put a cap on it last winter when we lost Mother Alderton. It kept the animals and the weather out. She shrugged matter-of-factly. Tana stood in the hearthstone and looked around at the hut. I'll need to stay for a day or two to get you settled with some simples. She looked at Amber. May I use this cottage for now? Amber looked confused, but as realization dawned, joy swept the listless frown from her face. Of course, Mom, of course, as long as you want to stay. Tanith looked around the room once more. Well, my dear, let's not get too carried away just yet. We'll see what we'll see, huh? And we'll want to talk about the terms before we get too far along. Terms, Mom? Oh, come, come, my dear, you're a goldsmith's daughter. There are always terms. She smiled at Amber to take away any sting. For now... We have a sick woman who'll need care, and I'll help you learn a few simple things, like how to gather willow bark and make tea. We can probably find some other simples in the area. She cast her eyes up to the rafters. I see cattail and burdock up there, and some bundles of mint. I'm sure we'll find others as we go. She turned her gaze back on Amber. In return, you'll help me get a mattress for that cot, some wood for the hearth, and have the chimney open so I can have a place that's not underfoot and littered with littles. The shrieking flock of children wheeled past the door in punctuation, and the two women couldn't help but smile at each other. Agreed. And may I come join you? Amber's mouth quirked in a rueful grin as she eyed the door. It's only for a few days, mind, just until we get things settled here. Tanith looked sternly at the younger woman, quashing the look of growing hope there. Of course, Mom. Whatever you say. Tanith nodded slowly to herself, looking around the room once more. In that case, we should go see how Sadie's doing, and I can fetch my things back here. Amber led them back out into the morning light, and Tanith felt something in the wind. Chapter 4 Settling In Sadie slept comfortably, rousing briefly at Tanith's touch, but sinking back into a healing slumber almost immediately. Tanith turned to Megan. I'll be in Mother Alterton's hut if you need me, dear. She should be fine now, although I suspect she'll need one more dose of tea before she's ready to get up and about. Megan, a spare woman with luxurious chestnut hair and a constellation of freckles across her nose, nodded hesitantly, and then her eyes widened as the import of what she'd heard sunk in. Tana shouldered her pack and took up staff and hat before heading out of the hut. When she returned to Mother Alterton's, she found the ox cart standing in the path and William coming down a ladder from the top of the chimney. He disappeared behind the roof line and emerged around the corner of the house with Amber and a chunk of oiled canvas in tow. The chimney should be cleared, Mum, he smiled shyly. If you have any problems with it, I'll be back around sunset and I'll look into it. He tossed the canvas into the back of the ox cart and with a quick kiss to his wife, led the lumbering beast off down the track and onto the pike. Tanith eyed the position of the sun. You'll not get in a full day's cutting today, I'll wager. Amber shook her head with a smile. 
No, he won't, but he'll get enough done today, and there's always tomorrow. She eyed the son's position herself. If we're going to get some work done, though, we should be at it. Tanith nodded and entered the hut, ducking down to clear the lintel. She stood her staff beside the door and hung her pack from a handy peg, her hat going on the same peg. She was quietly pleased to see that an armload of wood had been put in the wood box already. Amber followed her into the hut. We'll get you a tick for the bed, Mum, and a bucket of water. I've already sent Riley for one. You feel free to send him on any errands like that you need, she smiled happily. Well, we have two pressing bits of business, my dear. Tanith pointed to the rafters covered with dried vegetation. We need to clear that away before anybody thinks it's useful. A summer in the heat of this hut has robbed it of any goodness, and the dust won't help any. Amber looked up in dismay. All of it is ruined? Tanith relented a bit and shrugged. Well, perhaps not all, but most of it is less than useful at this point. There may be some useful bits in it, but at the moment its most valuable function is as tinder. The younger woman looked subdued. And the other? We need to show you some basics. Who else in the village would you like to have trained? Who else? Yes. It would be a waste to go through all this and then have something happen to you and leave the village without the knowledge again, don't you think? Amber looked startled by the thought, but nodded almost unconsciously in agreement. Of course. That would make the most sense, and we could check each other as well, after you're gone, to make sure we've remembered correctly. Tana smiled. Indeed you could, my dear. Excellent thinking. Amber's gaze turned inward. Sadie would be the most likely. She's the most knowledgeable of plants and growing things, but she's also rather sick. Tanith pursed her lips in contemplation. She'll be moving about by morning, I guess. Who else might have an interest and potential to do the job? A voice piped up from the doorway. What about me, Mum? Riley stood there with a bucket of water and an anxious look on his face. Amber turned to her son in surprise. You, Riley. He struggled through the door and down the steps with a heavy pail. Why not me, Ma? You said I'm quick to learn. His child voice fairly squeaked in excitement. Amber seemed at a loss, so Tanith turned to the boy. This is serious work, young man. It'll take a lot of time and a lot of effort to do well. You'll need to use what you'll learn responsibly. Do you think you can do that? If you don't, people could be hurt or die, and that would be a terrible thing to carry around with you. Amber started to interrupt. You can't be serious, Mom. Tanith kept her gaze focused on the youngster as he settled his burden on the hearthstone before answering. I don't want to hurt nobody, Mom, but it seems to me if I start young, then I'll have more time to learn. Tanith nodded slowly. Good thinking, young man. Are you prepared for it to be boring and messy? He looked startled. Boring and messy, Mom? She shrugged, still watching his face carefully. Most things in life are boring, and people and their illnesses are often messy. Riley nodded in return. Mrs. Hawthorne was kind of messy with it running out of both ends like that. Is that what you mean? Tanis' lips twitched slightly, but she nodded. That, sometimes worse. He shrugged. It's not so bad, I suppose. He got a calculating smile on his face. And I'm too little to be around too much yucky stuff anyway. He shot a sideways glance at his mother. Amber snorted a laugh and hid her mouth behind her hand. Okay. Tanith looked to Amber. Is it okay with you, my dear? Might be handy to have a strong young lad like this to do some of the work for us, crawling under logs and mucking out vats and such. Riley's eyes grew large, but Amber saw the twinkle in Tanith's eye. It's okay with me, Mom, but shouldn't we have somebody not in our family? If something happens to us when we leave... She left the thought unfinished. Riley caught the question. Where would we go, Ma? This is our home now. She turned to her son. 
Well, yes, Riley, but if something happens to either of your grandpas, then we may find we have to go back to Overton to live. What could happen? Riley seemed genuinely puzzled. No, I don't think anything will happen, Amber grinned. I'm just thinking that if we need somebody besides me to learn this, and we'd be better off if the other person wasn't attached to me. Riley nodded. Well, Mrs. Hawthorne, she's the bestest grower we have. She'd be the good one. What about Megan? Amber shook her head with a glance at Riley. Good with kids and a decent cook, but not where I'd put my time. Tanith caught the look and stopped pressing. Good enough, then. We'll get some things ready here while we wait for Sadie. She indicated the hanging material on the rafters. Let's get all this down and into the hearth, and then we can see what we have. In a matter of an hour, they'd cleared the rafters of dried goods, and Tana stacked it in the corner behind the wood box. I'll burn it later tonight when it's a little cooler. She looked around once more, quite satisfied. I'll go through the stuff on the shelf over there, too, but that's going to be more delicate sorting than this lot. She waved dismissively at the dried goods and then paused. What time is it getting to be? Lunchtime? Riley's piping voice sounded hopeful. The two women laughed. Come along, then, light of my life. Amber swept a hand toward the door with a nod to Riley. I'll find you a bit of crust and some stale water to reward your efforts this morning. He grinned happily. Might we have a bit of cheese as well? Only if it's moldy, my dear. Sounds yummy, ma. He raced out the door, pelting for the Mapleton cottage and shouting for his sister that it was lunchtime. Amber watched him go with a fond expression and turned to Tanith. You're welcome to join us for lunch, Mum. I promise it won't be crusts of bread and stale water. Tanith's stomach growled at that moment, the gurgly sound loud in the quiet hut. I think I've missed most of breakfast, my dear, so yes, thank you. That would be lovely if you're sure you have enough. Amber smiled. It's harvest season, Mum, or near enough. It might be plain fare, but we've plenty for now. She lowered her eyes in embarrassment. You're delaying your trip to help us. The least we can do is feed you. Tanith felt the warmth and a sharp pang inside. She'd been so long on the road, traveling from teacher to teacher, spending a season or so before moving on. It was unexpected. The women she visited seldom had family and were often glad for the company, but the connection was always the knowledge. Tanith would share what she knew in exchange for whatever knowledge she could gain, more and more of late, she found herself covering known ground and was anxious to meet Gertie Pinecrest in the far north at Lamas Wood. There were whispers in the night, quiet comments about the witch woman and what bits of old knowledge she still carried. Tanith hungered for that knowledge. But this simple need, the small hamlet in need of a healer, the warmth and acceptance these young people gave her, plucked a cord in her that had been still for a very long time. The thoughts flashed through her mind in a heartbeat, and she smiled at the young woman. In that case, my dear, let me check on Sadie once more, and I'll be honored to join you for lunch. Amber beamed, and the two of them set off for the center of the village, arm in arm. They separated at the Mapleton hut. Tanith went to check on Sadie while Amber prepared lunch. Tanith found Sadie and Megan chatting quietly. Sadie was smiling and had a bit better color, but didn't seem too anxious to get up and move about. Sadie beamed happily as Tanith came in. I heard you'll be staying with us for a few more days, Mum. Tanith pressed a palm against her forehead while answering the young woman. Yes, it seems that the All-Mother has a small task for me here. She shrugged and smiled. We'll have to see how long, but at least a few more days. How are you feeling, my dear? Any better? Sadie nodded gently, but stopped almost instantly. Thank you, Mum. I'm on the mend, although I still ache, and I can't really seem to get warm. Tanith's take on the room was that it was already too warm and stuffy, but she nodded to Sadie. Another dose for you, then, and a long nap this afternoon to get you ready for a good night's sleep tonight. 
Tanith crossed to the hearth and looked at the pot of willowbark. It had been steeping all night and all day so far, so it was undoubtedly going to be exceptionally unpleasant. She nudged the pot closer to the fire to warm it up and stepped out the back door to pull a handful of mint leaves from the clump she'd seen earlier. Adding those to the pot filled the room with a fresh green scent of mint, and in a matter of a few minutes the tea, willow bark and mint together, was warmed and ready. She fetched the cup, rinsed it carefully with hot water before pouring a healthy dose of the bitter tea into it. Sadie grimaced a bit at the flavor, but took the cupful without complaint. "'Are you getting hungry, then, Sadie?' Tanith asked. Sadie's response was to turn just slightly green. "'I don't think I could eat just yet, Mom.' Tanith smiled. "'No, then you shouldn't. When you feel hungry again, that's the sign we're looking for. You'll be on the back side of it and ready to get up. In the meantime, sleep, child. Tomorrow we'll be here soon enough.' Sadie settled down on her cot the warm tea having done its work and soothing, even if the medicinal properties of the willow hadn't taken effect yet. That's a good idea, Mom. I think I will. We're going to take Megan away and let you sleep on your own now. Will you be all right by yourself, do you think? Sadie nodded sleepily. Yes, Mom. That'll be fine. Tanith nodded to Megan, and the two of them left the hut. You probably have your own work to attend to this afternoon, yeah? Megan nodded. Indeed I do, Mom, and thank you. She smiled in return and gave the younger woman an encouraging nod. They separated, Megan heading to her hut and gathering her children as she went. Tanith headed for the Bapleton store and the food that her stomach assured her would be most welcome. She had missed her oatmeal at breakfast, and lunch was a very attractive notion. Thanks for listening to Ravenwood, a Tanith Fairport adventure. Music is The Hill, composed and produced by Ivan Chu. Find this and other works by Ivan Chu at www.archive.org. You can learn more about the composer and his works by visiting his blog at myrightbrain.wordpress.com. This has been a presentation from Durandus, offered under a Creative Commons Attribution No Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 U.S. License. For more information on Tanith Fairport and stories from the Lamas Wood, visit www.lamaswood.com.